This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I'm joined once again with Jim Sebastio, and we're going to get started here in just a moment. Before we do that, you can go to practicalshepherding.com. You can access all of our resources there, uh, including other podcast episodes that we've done. And you can also go to the donate page there and leave a financial gift. That would be helpful. Uh, if you have not checked out sponsorpastor.org or the Sponsor Pastor link on the website, you should go there. Check it out. There's actually a new video that we did to, to sh- demonstrate what the ministry is. If you're unfamiliar with some of the things we do, that'd be a helpful thing to check out as well. Uh, but we're encouraged and excited about some of the plans we got for the, uh, what we're going to record this year with the podcast, including what we're doing today. An important topic and one that, that several people and, and we've been have written in and asked us to do even through the, the years, even people asking us to do this topic. And that's the topic of deacons in the church. So we're going to tackle that and, and probably tackle this for the next couple of episodes and give some good time to this. So, Jim, we want to first talk about the the office and the role of a deacon. We'll start there, and, and maybe in later episodes we will get into how do deacons work together with other pastors, elders, and those kind of things. But office and role, we need to first establish that. We don't want to assume everybody <clears throat> knows what that is, uh, where it is in Scripture even, mm. and how the, how the New Testament uh, talks about this, but we want to acknowledge the New Testament does talk about the offices of pastor and deacon, and we want to be able to focus on deacons today and eventually how it relates to the pastor. So, Jim, will you jump in with just a, a biblical foundation for deacons? That that'll be a good way to get us started. Yeah, I, and Brian, I think that the origin of the office of deacon is 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 very telling, and it's and it's an important aspect to be able to understand. So. Uh, Acts chapter 6, I think most people would be, most listening to this would be familiar with the situation. And I, the office of deacon arose out of a providential difficulty in the church there in Jerusalem where some of the widows, uh, the Hellenistic widows, the Greek-speaking widows felt that they were being neglected in the uh, daily distribution of, of, uh, of, of goods, of, of food and uh, other matters of uh, benevolence, and uh, it's interesting. The ones that were in charge of that were were the apostles. Uh, and uh, 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 parenthetically, it's it's really interesting to see how they had apparently really learned our Lord's lesson about learning to serve. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. but they were serving so much that it was preventing them from doing what we would call their pastoral work uh, of, of prayer and the ministry of the Word. They were the so word. caught up with practical needs. And rather than believing that practical needs were not a part of church life, you know, that's one way you could handle it, to say, well, we're all about spiritual things. You can go to some welfare agency for this. They realized that it was the job of the church um, and that in what we would say now is an entire office would be dedicated to the physical and benevolent needs uh, of the church, and so. Uh, but, the but, tr- by the way, before you go on to the next, uh, I I just appreciate how you explain that because there's a lot of people that look at Acts six, and kind of are tempted to say well, the apostles didn't want to serve; they just wanted to. In fact, I've watched pastors use that as a justification to not serve and send all their other people out. But you, what the point you made was really good. I I agree with you. They were serving; it was starting to. They were starting to neglect this ministry and yeah. the work. And so they had to raise up others to help them. Right. I, they had learned the lesson of their yeah. foot-washing Savior. Yeah. I am among you as one who serves. And, and, and they, I think they had so clearly learned that lesson 
that they were doing so much serving and so much benevolent work like the Lord Jesus did. He went around doing good yeah. and that they were going around and doing good, but, but there was a recognition that this is too much for us. We need somebody that can dedicate. And so two things really were in potential. One thing, so not only were prayer and the ministry of the word neglected, but, but a fuller, a real benevolence ministry was neglected. They didn't have enough time. And the needs and, were there. And, and we're not and the needs met. were there. Yep. And, and, and even because of that, I mean, it, the uh, an accusation of a kind of racism was, yeah, was brought right. up. And it may, not have been a, a, it may not have had anything to do with that, but it was perceived that way. And so there was a functional issue that needed to be dealt with. And we believe in, in the Holy Spirit guiding them into all truth that they were led by the Spirit uh, to lead the congregation in understanding what their role was. There was an explanation of the congregation, what they were called to do as apostles. And then also an explanation that this is a good ministry of the church and we need certain kinds of men. And they gave some qualifications, wise men, men full of the Holy Spirit, yep. uh, to do that. And then you, you, you recognize that this is not a, a once for all, uh, you know, just a, a unique thing. Uh, you have Paul addressing the church in Philippians chapter 1 as he greets them, and he greets the overseers and the deacons, uh, two separate groups uh, as leadership in the church, a, a form of leadership in the church, greets the church, he greets the overseers, he greets the deacons. And so they were obviously those who were in one capacity and those who were in another. And then yep. you have a, a very important passage in First Timothy chapter 3, where uh, the qualifications of a deacon are, are given. And in, in my 45 plus years of Christian experience, a lot of that in, in certain kinds of Baptist churches and what I have witnessed and, and uh, through the years and what I've seen firsthand in certain cases is that there is a gross neglect of an understanding of the office of the deacon, the origin of the office, the function of the office, and the qualifications of the office which has led uh, to great trouble in churches and particularly, and Brian, we said this off air, you know, that the, a relationship that ought to be such a happy relationship of, of two groups of men working together for the totality of the humanity of those that Christ has bought with his blood, that is their body and their soul, that they ought to be happily working together uh, as a unit. And it is so often that the, the the relationship that brings the most grief, certainly to pastors. Now, again, maybe if, I were, if this were a deacon podcast, I'd talk about how much problem <laughs> pastors cause um, uh, deacons. Right. But I, I, I imagine many who are listening to this uh, have ha, are in, in situations where there is a degree of unhealth in regard to what is a deacon supposed to do, how are they function. What's their relationship with the pastors, and what's their qualification? And, and these things are very often not taught on; they're not expounded. And because you know, where that doesn't happen, then either tradition or pragmatism is going to rule the day. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's that's really helpful, Jim. I think let's go there because I think we need to set some context, just so uh, pastors listening to this know we're we're probably talking about a similar situation therein, and that is uh, the First Timothy 3 passage, I think is really important in particular that you brought up, because it distinguishes the difference between a pastor and a deacon. The, sim the qualifications are similar there, yeah. <clears throat> but 
uh, there are differences, and there are clear differences for a reason because of the role that they each play. And so in, in a lot of Baptist contexts especially, there are deacons, there's confusion, as you mentioned, between these two roles and what, what roles do they play. So there's overlap in really unhelpful and unhealthy ways. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in my context, which you know was, was pastoring in a Southern Baptist context, the, the typical setup, traditional setup of an SBC church is a solo pastor and multiple deacons who are playing a pseudo-elder-like role in the church, which means they have authority. And a lot of times the pastor ends up answering to the deacons right. uh, <clears throat> just with his role. So I, I want to acknowledge that, that is, that's typical. And now what we're seeing a recovery, especially within Baptist churches, of more of a teaching and more distinction on these particular roles. But we need to acknowledge that, that that's what a lot of pastors are, are in the middle of trying to sort through. It's what I had to, to face. I inherited, not only inherited deacons, but deacons who had the authority of elders and not one of them qualifying as an elder. And so that is a very typical and then scenario. Some, obviously, and then sometimes not even qualified as a deacon. Well, not even qualified as a deacon. I'm, right. I'm convinced that there was one deacon in particular that did not know Jesus to the day he died. Yeah. And so, and, but there are pastors listening to this that I'm certain have unconverted deacons in the right. church potentially they've that they've gone into and, and, and have inherited. So this is why we want to talk about the office first of deacon to establish what it is exactly and then get into the, the roles of deacon because I think that's where you really distinguish, like you're talking about, what is the happy relationship between pastors and deacons. And by the way, just for clarity's sake, pastor, elder, same office. Right. We use those terms interchangeably. There's in First Timothy three is there the office of pastor, elder, overseer, same office. Right. And then there is the office of deacon, and they play two distinct roles in the church. So before we get into the roles, <clears throat> we just want to acknowledge that one of the things we deal with over and over again in working with pastors and churches is leadership in the church that's not set up biblically, or right. there aren't. The, the right kind of people who qualify. So that's what we first want to talk about the qualifications, Jim, right. when you say in First Timothy 3, which is what that addresses. It is. And, and I just want to say one thing, Brian, prior to getting into this, and, 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 and we just, this is a matter of guarding our own hearts be, uh, as, as pastors, and this is, again, mostly for pastors. Oh, I do know some people are listening. Sometimes one of my sisters listens. So hi, Dorothy. No way. Really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and some of the ladies in my church told me they listen as well. But anyway... This is not about a power play, right? This is right. not about you, you know, trying to find a way to to grab the reins of authority. That's, that's now what is going to happen is I think as you as you begin to exegete, this is an exegetical matter. This is a matter that this is a to the to the law and to the testimony. Scriptures address this. There, this is a sufficiency of scripture issue. Yeah. And so before you can get into any of this, obviously, whether you are a church planter, and maybe it's easier as a church planter, and you are establishing the authority of the scriptures, the sufficiency of the scriptures to lay out what a, what a pastor is, what a, church, what, a, what a church is, what a pastor is, what deacons are, uh, and how those roles work, and, and why they're there, why, why are there deacons, why are there pastors, what does that say about God's love for us, what does it say about our humanity, what does it say about the function of the church to the inner man and to the outer man, what does it say about our relation to the community, what does it say about the stewardship of our funds, and all of those things are, are, are bound up in these, in, in large measure, in these offices that Christ has given 
to his church. So it is a to the law and to the testimony. It's an exegetical issue. And so if you are in an unhealthy situation, the one thing you're in, so if you're in a church planting situation, you have the ability from, you know, the ground level to be able to establish or to lay a foundation to change the analogy slightly. But if you are in a revitalization or what I might, the terminology I would have used in the past of reformation of a church or bringing a church up to biblical reformation, biblical reformation consists of taking away those things that ought not to be there and bringing those things that must be there uh, into the life of the church. And this is one of the things that it has to be biblically addressed. And, and one of the things we may want to talk about, or maybe just even now is a good time. And how do you, uh, how do you begin to address this with, if you come into a situation and there's six people that are deacons, whether it's men that are deacons or men and women that are deacons or whatever the situation might be, you inherit that and you go into the, the the congregation and you're convinced that either they've never, the issue of qualifications never been addressed and even the issue of identity. So what are you all supposed to do? Yeah. What, yeah. What's your job description? Is there a diaconal job description? Well, they're going to, again, either inherit it from tradition, which as you said, Brian, is very often that we, we rule the roost. Uh, and that we keep, you know, pastors, our jobs keep pastor in line, and our, our job is to, you know, sometimes undermine him, get rid of him, and then right, get a right. new one in, all that kind of stuff. Well, that's so thoroughly unbiblical. It's so horrifically unscriptural. So how do you begin to do that? Um, let's go to the qualification first, then. Okay. That, that, let's yep. start there. <clears throat> Who should serve as a deacon? Now, we have First Timothy 3 that is the clearest passage that we have that gives the Qualification. So what that distinguishes, first, let's observe the obvious. Not everybody's supposed to be a deacon. There are only certain people that are supposed to be deacons. They're supposed to qualify from a biblical standpoint. So, Jim, as you're raising up deacons and thinking through deacons in your own church, what kind of things, other than what's clearly written there in Scripture, like what kind of qualities and characteristics are you looking for in somebody? Well, one of the things that Paul brings out here is the matter of let them first be tested. And Brian, you've said this before in regard to an elder. What is, you know, how, how do you know a man's a pastor? Well, it's somebody who does the work without the title or the pay, yeah. something to that. Right, I'm right. quoting yeah. you generally there. Yeah. Um, and I would say the same thing about about a, a, a deacon. And, and while you, the scriptures teach all of us as the Lord's people, I mean, you ought to have a church full of servants. You ought to have a group of people, all of them willing to love Certainly. each other, serve each other, and you know, practically, as it were, wash each other's feet, look after each other, meet each other's needs financially, um, food-wise, clothing-wise, shelter-wise, so that none of the Lord's people are ever without the basic necessities of life. That, that should be the commitment of every body, every body in the body. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, but you're going to recognize that there are some who have uh, either a certain facility or a certain skill, and so they, they meet the qualifications. And Brian, just as in you know, pastoring, there's a general sense in which every qualification for an elder or deacon should be true of every Christian man. Sure. And, and in regard to a pastor, with the exception of, uh, ability to teach, teach right, you know, right. so you ought to have a whole church full of, on one sense, qualified people, but certain are going to show gifts and are going to have graces that you recognize and it's going to rise up. Right. What's happened traditionally in, in churches is uh, it's, it's the guy with the biggest paycheck or the guy who runs a business or they use some kind of a business model 
because again, they're going to be running the church in a certain way is, is the idea. And so they kind of look to that more than they look. So they look to the skill set or to the economic set as or, the qualification. Yeah, as yep. the qualification. Yep. Rather than, you know, so you got a guy who's got a lot of savvy, he's a mover, a shaker, you know, uh, he's respected, he, Mr. Potter. Yeah. So, you know, and, you know, Mr. Potter from It's a Wonderful Life would probably be made a deacon in some places, not because he's at all godly, but because he's got a lot of power and he's got a lot of money and yeah. and he's got a lot of pull. So you want somebody like that because you have a wrong view of what the office is. What you're looking for are foot washers. You're looking for yeah. people that are that are table servants. That's the, the word itself, deacon, you know, has that idea of serving tables. Yeah. It's somebody with the towel in the basin. It's somebody that has a heart for people. It's somebody that notices things. I think this is an important thing. In many cases, deacons, I know pastors who struggle with deacons who have to be led by the hand and who are able to do things once they're told what to do. I think one of the things you want to look for, because the qualifi- in, in, in uh, Acts 6, it's a matter of wisdom. That's a practical application of biblical truth. And so these are people that are able to look at a situation. They're able to have some understanding. So somebody comes and, and, and they're in need. And so they're able to, well, first of all, they usually they can discern that need. They're, they're on the ball. The pastors don't have to tell them that, hey, so-and-so is struggling. You know, do you know about this? So they should know about it. They're looking out. They know the congregation. And they're able to evaluate, okay, this is what this need is. Um, sometimes, and we're going to talk about this in another episode, we might need to bring the pastors in on this because we think there's a real spiritual issue, not just a physical issue. Right. But they ought to be able to be trusted as wise people to be able to handle the funds and the resources of the church and to be able to, uh, this is a real need. This is not a need. This is a, you know, somebody's needs needs a different kind of help. They might need some exhortation, some rebuke. Uh, for others, you got to pay bills or whatever the case might be, but they have the wisdom to be able to do that. So you want people like that. And, yep. and <clears throat> no, that's good. I would add one thing to that. Here's kind of the one of the distinguishing uh, descriptions of a deacon in my mind, because you said it, you want everybody to be a servant in the church to some right. degree. So I see deacons as uh, servants who lead in the service of the church. Yeah. So it's not just the person who's willing to it's not just the person exactly. willing to go take a meal to a widow. It's the person who organizes other people to go right. and lead to, exactly. leads to go take the meals right. to the widows. Right, right, right. Or those kind of things. Well so said. I I think that's that's an important piece to this. Uh let's let me go ahead and throw this out there because we've had several people ask us about this and and we want to be able to to have a conversation, a short conversation about it. Female deacons. Yeah. Uh, what would you just explain? Uh, we let me first say both of us would acknowledge, regardless of what's happened in our churches, both of us would acknowledge the the argument of 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 female deacons, the need for female deacons, the way that that First Timothy three can be interpreted to actually provide yeah. to almost show that there are female deacons. But what do you do in your own church, Jim, around this issue? Yeah, well. Can I address the other issue first? Yeah. Kind of, cuz obviously sure. again, you know, we want to so th- there is an exegetical basis for those who would have this and, and I think it even is in uh be, given the nature of the office it, it and given what's done by deacons, I think you know, a very good argument can be made for women being deacons. So the primary argument, there's two primary arguments. One is you you have um 
you have the woman in, in uh, Romans chapter 16, and, and so whether it, who is called a servant of the church, and, yep. and the word it's a female it's a female derivative of the word deacon. So right. you could you would say she's a deaconess, and there are probably some translations that even uh, do that right. that call her a deaconess. Right. And then you have First uh, Timothy chapter three, where in giving. Uh, the qualifications in verse eleven. Uh, there is the Greek word "gune." There is 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 women, or it could be translated wives. It could be translated, and it's I, if I remember correctly, it's in the possessive their genitive. So it's a uh, their wives or their women uh, could be likewise their women. Um, so you have deacons being addressed in verse eight. Likewise, deacons must be reverent, not double tongued. Then verse eleven. I'm reading the New King James says, likewise, their wives. Now, some translations would say the deaconesses or some would say the women. And there are three basic interpretations of, of what that would mean. One is that it's a reference to the deacon's wives. That, and the idea would be that given the nature and function of the diaconate and particularly helping widows, that's a primary aspect. Or hospitality. Uh, or or other, hospitality yeah. that there you, you can't have a deacon involved with these matters whose wife is uh, running at the mouth or because it talks about reverent, not slanderers, temperate, faithful, and all things. Yeah, yeah. So that's one interpretation. The other is that this is a core of women who help and aid the deacons in the service, that they are, um, that, yeah, they, ha- they serve that function. There is a group of women in the church that when the deacons need practical things done in regard to maybe going into certain homes or doing certain things, there are trustworthy women in the church that are generally called upon to do that. Yeah. And and again, because they may be privy to certain matters that could be volatile, you gotta ensure that these are godly women. And, and, yeah. and then the other thing is that it is giving an express qualification for female deacons. For the women who play that role. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. that this is a deaconess. I, I'm not convinced of that because okay. of uh, what comes before and, and, and what comes after. It does seem that Paul is because he gets back to um, to verse eight, likewise deacons, and then verse twelve, let deacons be the husband husbands of one wife, ruling their yep. children and their house as well. And yep. so, because of that, you know, we have traditionally held to that we that we would only have male deacons. So, on in our church, you know, again, I I I took uh, went to a church that had solo pastor model, <clears throat> multiple deacons who were pseudo elders but didn't qualify. So that's what I inherited, and the plan that I wanted to see happen is that we actually moved to a more biblical model, which I would say would be plurality of pastors and plurality of deacons, understanding the different roles. It took about six to seven years to move to plurality of pastors, and when you make that move, Jim, you have to also, in the process, help current deacons understand what the role really is. They're not supposed to be pseudo so I, I had to do that. That's another thing that had to take place over the course of those six, seven years. So how did you do that? Did you do that privately with them? Did you introduce it to, or did you first introduce the subject to the church, preaching yeah. on the doctrine of the church and say, hey, at this point, we're going to talk about deacons and, and we have our five or six yeah. deacons here. <clears throat> Encourage you really to listen well to what I'm saying. Or did you say to them, hey, listen, guys, let's have a Bible study. Let's, let's, here's a book to read. Here's some things to consider. I think this would be a good thing to get into a, a conversation down the road about how they work together. But yes, all of the above. So to make the transition, I had to be trying to raise up other pastors. 
I had to be teaching and meeting and and working with the deacons over time to help them see and understand what is their actual biblical qualification and what their role is. And then the congregation has to grow to understand all three of those tracks have to be taking place at the same time. Again, which is what we did, but it took six, seven years of doing all of that. But I remember the moment that we made the transition and that everybody understood and that everybody was on board. And I remember in that moment, we had a discussion as a church, do we have female deacons or not? Mm. Because one of the things I want to acknowledge is that the, that I, by the way, I, I'm, I'm fully supportive of female deacons if there are clear qualified elders in, in place. Okay. And so um, I think this, but we never had female deacons and part of it was the culture. We decided in that moment to not. Okay. So what I basically did was we, we kept men as deacons in that leadership role, but the, I mean, a lot of it was because of cultural context and, in Louisville, Kentucky, at that time in the SBC, there, are, there were anybody who had female deacons, even if they were in in the way that we were trying to set it up. If you had female deacons, you were seen as a liberal church within mm. the SBC. And at that time, we all agreed that just wasn't worth having to deal with around this. Mm. So what we did was we kept male deacons, but then we then we empowered women in basically deacon like leadership roles. Yeah. And just call them something different. So I would say we functionally had female deacons. We had women leading in those ways. Sure. They did an amazing yeah, job. I, I think, yeah, most I'm all churches for it. would. Certainly. We just didn't call them deacons. I wanted to take a minute to explain that because, Jim, I do believe, especially in some Baptist contexts, to context where people who are inheriting what I did, that actually is a legit way to try to move forward. You may not be able to change the terminology, but you can empower the functionality of women in the church. And I would encourage everybody to do that in, in ways, even push yourself, because there are there are gifted, godly women that uh, want to use their gifts and find ways to do that in, in appropriate ways. So, um, so the deacons, as far as, uh, we didn't never had female deacons officially, but we had them we had them functionally. So, but because of the way you explained well the passage and the different interpretations, I think it it, it is open to interpretation, certainly. which is why that I think yeah. any, I I certainly don't have a one hard view on this. I think it is open yeah. and for I interpretation. Think it, yeah. And I think even you know the 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 Phoebe who's mentioned in you know, Romans sixteen, Romans 16 yeah. you know it, it's it's a I think it's a there certainly again an argument can be made. I don't know that it is a. Uh, people, other people are called servants in this way, including Jesus himself. Uh, this, I mean, there's a time which you know the diaconal term is 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 used in reference to our Lord. So it's not every time the idea of servanthood comes out is it the office. But again, that spirit is something that all of us should have, and and I think one of the. <laughs> It's even exalted, and this is one of the things about the way Scripture teaches some of these things that are so, their paradoxes are certainly culturally contrary. Servanthood is exalted. You know, you know who's greater, he who, ser- who sits at the table or he who serves, Jesus says, and yet I am among you as one who serves. So let's talk real quickly, Brian, about function. What, what do deacons do in your church? Right? Yeah. That's what we really want to get mm-hmm. at. So what is their role? What is their, if it's not to lead, if it's not to teach and preach, if it's not to oversee the congregation, if that's, if that's given to another office, that yeah. is the office of pastor or elder, or, you know, what is, their, what is their role in the church? I would say a deacon is to is to lead in the service of the church. Okay. So, and we can get in more into this when we get into how they work together with pastors, but I want to stay focused on just what deacons do for this episode. <clears throat> and that would be anything from 
the way we described it is deacon's primary role is to lead in meeting the physical needs of the church. Now, that doesn't mean deacons are not doing spiritual tasks. Right. But their primary role is to, I think, I think Act 6, the prototype of Act 6, also speaks to that, that it's, they were set aside to meet the physical needs of the church. So when people are in need of, of some kind of physical thing, so, you know, widows who, who need food or something, uh, you know, fixed or addressed at, in their home or something like that. Uh, taking care of the the building. Actually, uh, my chairman of the deacons came up with a, a, a great, uh, helpful way to see the role of a deacon. It's it's three Bs. Let me see if I can remember them off the top of my head. Um, buildings, uh, body, and borders. Buildings, what about budgets? Would you yeah. add a four bit fourth B? Was it? Was I would it, was say that's, budget? that's that's more of the the pastors that would be oh, into the okay. budgets. So building body. Borders building, they're responsible to take care of the physical building. We had this old, beautiful building, but it required a lot of work. And uh, I can still remember the feeling of weight lifted off my shoulders when a deacon took that over. Yeah. So, so the building, caring for the physical uh, needs of that particular building, the meeting place, uh, body, meeting the physical needs of the people, meeting the physical needs of the body yeah. uh, at the church. And the third is borders, which is security. Uh, and taking care of okay. what's going on when people are at the church, when we're having services, and that got emphasized a lot when when some of the you know f- several years ago when some of the church shootings started to ramp up with some different yeah, things. Interesting. And in where our church was located, we had some we had some some kind of strange things happen in the middle of the service that we actually had to uh, we had to be mindful of. What do we do in a in a moment where? Uh, there may be a security issue in the middle of this, the service. So, so borders is talking about the safety and the security of. Okay. So those are the three Bs that I would summarize is the role of a deacon. So they oversee those things. They involve other people to play those roles and to help, but they lead in the service of those areas. Yeah. So I would I would emphasize a couple of things. This one is I mean the I think the bodies thing is the major the is the major issue. I uh, I don't know that you have any situation. You you have situations in the New Testament where there seems like the church met met in some rented facilities. You know the school of Tyrannus or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but you also have the house to house type thing or in houses, um, which some people make a, a greater deal of than than maybe is necessary. It is interesting, you know, because uh, you know when churches began to own their own facilities and and build their own buildings and have their own meeting houses, the question did come: Well, who's going to take care of it? And sometimes that becomes almost exclusive. In some cases, it's like, well, that's their their job is, build, is do, building right? is building and sure, grounds, right. and you can really d- delegate that to a janitorial staff or a custodian or to somebody who does. Uh, lawn care and that sort of a, that sort of thing, but I think again, I I, I, I view uh, the the care that again that the the offices of the church, elder and deacon, show the love of God for the whole man, and and, and there is a priority to the soul. What profit is it for man gains all world and loses his yeah, own soul? Right. Life is more than food and clothing. Jesus said in in Matthew chapter six, we have an ever dying soul. We need the word of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. And so there is a priority to the word and to prayer that is to the spiritual life of the church. But there is not a neglect of the physical. God made us as, as, as creatures with mouths and stomachs and bodies that need shelter and, and clothing. 
And there is a commitment of God to who, who clothes the lilies of the field and feeds the birds of the air to take care of his own. Uh, how much more will God take care of you or you of little faith? And one of the ways that he'll do that is through the generosity of his body. And we are told in the scriptures that we are to do good to all men, but especially those of the household of faith. If anyone will not provide for his own, he's worse than an infidel. The church has to take care of its own, has to take care of its own members. And, and so the matters of, you know, it, traditionally for thousands of years, that got down to food, clothing, shelter. Sometimes it's going to get into things like, you know, a, you know a, a poor person in their car. You know, do we do we buy them tires or do we get their car fixed or give them gas? You know, give yeah, them gas. Right, make sure that you know pay the insurance. You know, something to help them to function and to be able to be able to live. Um, Brian, for ourselves, the budgeting. What in the early years the elders kind of established these are the priorities of budgeting. But from that time onward. We've given that to gifted men, oh, so, so, the, so our deacons okay, do the yep, budget, yep. and so we approve it. They go over it with us. We did that last night. Okay, uh, elders and deacons met together, and we 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 went over the budget together. Um, but even like my salary, I don't I don't determine my salary. The deacons have have done that for for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I've always done that. That's never been mine to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so th- those kinds of things. So budgeting. Uh, it ha- has been, at least for us, That's uh, a, a, a diaconal yep. matter. And Brian, I'll save another aspect of this for our, our next discussion because yep. it's how elders and, and deacons work together. Yep. But I think that there is a a duty of the of the deacons is, is to ensure that the elders are able to do their job. It's, yep. it's to have an eye toward them as well as to the congregation. Yeah, th- that's good, Jim. We're g- and we're going to wrap this episode, in this, and, but we're going to continue this conversation because we want to do a whole episode on how pastors and deacons work together, because I think that is crucially important to know. Both to un- and to do that, both have to understand what each roles are. Right. Like you, and you started this by talking about that happy relationship that does not take place if both sides one don't understand what the role is, and two celebrates the role of the other, and right. there's not exactly. a crossing there. That's so, right. So yeah. So I, I want to unpack that. Yeah. So we take a minute and just pray for yeah. even those who've listened to. The, the qualification and, and role and that, that God would just give wisdom for them in their own situation. Our Father in heaven, we do pray that you would lead and guide your servants in, in the churches to be able to lead well, to teach well, preach well, explain well these critical issues. And Father, this is for the, your glory. It's for the good of your people. It's, it's for the honor of Christ's name that the church be seen as a, uh, to function in the way that you've determined it will, taking care of the souls and the bodies of those that you love. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.